and find Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4. And we'll look here for a little while and see what the Lord has for us. Mark chapter number 4. And when you find your place, let's stand all over the house in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter number 4. I want to begin reading in verse number 35. And we'll go down through verse number 41, the end of the chapter. Mark chapter number 4. That's in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and uh, second book of the New Testament there. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Uh, Look at it with me. The Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had spent or had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? I thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. And uh, uh, I sure do appreciate the reading of the Word of God there. Uh, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer real quick and we'll get into this message. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would bless the reading of Your Word this morning. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for everyone that has come out to be with us today. Father, You have been so good to us. I thank You for the choir singing, the special singing, the words of testimony. Father, I pray that You would help us here in this hour as we preach Your precious Word, Father. Father, I cannot do it alone. Father, I need your anointing today. I need your power. God, I need your help. I need your strength. And Father, we need open ears to hear the instruction of your word, God, this morning. I pray that you would encourage someone this morning. I pray that you would help someone. I pray, God, that if there's one here lost or one out uh, under the sound of my voice this morning that is lost and undone without you, God, on the road to hell, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, dear Father. I love you. Thank you for all you do for us, God. Help us, Father, as we so desperately need you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Now, in this text, in Mark chapter 4, in the latter part of this chapter, the uh, we find the Lord Jesus at the end of a long and difficult day. During the long hours of this day, uh, Jesus had a confrontation with the Pharisees. We find that in verses uh, 22 through verse 30. And some of his friends and family thought that he had lost his mind and tried to kidnap him. We read about that in verse 21 and down through verse 31 through 35. And during the latter part of the day, Jesus sat in a little boat just off of the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and He used that boat as a pulpit to which uh, He preached to the multitudes that gathered to hear Him. And uh, we start that in chapter number 4, uh, verse number 1. And so that's where the day began there, uh, or where we hear Him start preaching. And uh, He concludes His message at the end of the day, and He called for His disciples to enter into the boat, and He commanded them 
them to set sail for the other side of the lake. Now that's a day and a half. And uh, that's like most days Jesus had. And uh, so naturally... In his humanity, he was wore out. And nighttime found the disciples rowing across that little lake. And while they guided the boat, an exhausted Jesus, he lay fast asleep in the rear of the boat. And as I already mentioned, he was exhausted from the business of the day. Now, by the way, I want to stop right here and say this passage clearly presents the human side or the humanity of the Lord. And I praise God today that he understands our weaknesses. He's been there. He knows what it's like to be tired. Well, preacher, I thought he was God. He is God. But see, that's part of that laying aside. Yeah. Well, why did he do all of that? So he knew what he would know what we went through. I'm telling you, the greatest, the greatest thing that we've seen is when God made himself a human. And He dwelt among men, the Bible says. He performed miracles. He preached. And He got tired. Isn't that amazing? That's why in the book of Hebrews, we find the Bible telling us that we have got a great high priest. Yeah, He knows what we're going... See, you and I can go to God with anything and everything that we face in life. Why? Because He faced it. Amen. I praise God for that. I praise God that He understands our weakness. I praise God that He is able to sympathize with you and I when we grow weary. You know why? Because in Psalm chapter 103, verse 14, a a verse that has brought comfort to me many times, and the Bible says, For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth that we are dust. He knows where we came from because He made us. He knows what we faced because He faced it Himself. And the Lord's disciples, they were accustomed to being on the Sea of Galilee that night. I mean, they were fishermen after all. And while they rode for the other side, there was a tremendous storm that engulfed their coast or engulfed their boat there. And they, they found themselves in a fight for their very lives. This storm that threatened the disciples was a superstorm. It was a storm of unusual power and unusual intensity. It terrified the disciples. It caused them to fear for their own lives. And you know, we all find ourselves in storms from time to time. I remember Brother Alan Barker, he said many times preaching, you are either going into a storm, you are in the middle of a storm, or you are coming out of a storm. And if you're coming out of a storm today, I know that feels really good. But I'm here to tell you it ain't going to be long before you go back into one. Well, preacher, that's not very encouraging. It may not be to you, but it's the truth. And we're going to talk about truth here in just a little bit. But uh, it's the truth. And the fact is, everybody here is on a journey through life. And life is not easy. I mean, Jesus even told us that all that this world can bring us is troubles and trials and tribulation. But what does He say to us? He tells us to be of good cheer because He has overcome the world. And if you are saved today, 
then you have His Holy Spirit living within you. And the Bible tells us that greater is He that is within you than He that is in the world. How do we navigate the seas of life? Well, you have to have Jesus. It's the only way you're going to overcome what's happened. Does that mean that trials and troubles are going to disappear? Absolutely not. But we have somebody to walk through our storms with us. Here's the thing. The fact is we're all on a journey. The redeemed are sailing toward a place called heaven. The lost are sailing toward a place called hell. Because in the end of it all, when you go out into eternity, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. I don't care what anybody else says. The only thing I care about is what God says. And God says in His Word that there are two destinations for each and every one of us. One is heaven. One is hell. And the difference between where you go is what you do with Jesus Christ. Now, as we sail, storms will arise and threaten our vessels. And oftentimes, like the disciples, we come to believe that the storms will destroy us. But I want to remind you this morning that your storm was not sent to destroy you. It was sent to develop you. The message today to each and every one of us is this. Don't let life's waves drown you. Don't let life's ways drown you. That's what I want to preach on for a little while this morning. Let me say this. If this passage here in Scripture teaches us anything, it is that peace is not the absence of problems. We all have problems. These men were doing exactly... I I never want to forget the fact here that these men were doing exactly what God told them to do. And what happened? They got right into the middle of the biggest storm of their life. Fearing for their own lives. Well, preacher, that don't add up. They were doing what God told them to. Yes, they were. That ought to make you, that ought to give you something to think about next time there's a man on television that tells you if you give him a thousand dollars and you get saved, you're going to have health and wealth and prosperity and your life is going to be perfect. God never promises us that. There's never one promise in the Bible that we will have a perfect life. But we're going somewhere far better. That is the promise of Scripture. Amen. Now I believe for most of us that matches up with reality. When I hear some of these preachers preach, what they're saying does not match my reality whatsoever. That ought to make us sit back and think for a second. Well, what does Scripture say? That's the only thing that matters. Scripture tells us that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the addition of power. And that power comes from a presence. And that presence is God Himself. You see, He's never promised us that we won't have storms. On the contrary, He has promised and made it abundantly clear. We're going to go through trouble, and we're going to go through trial, and we're going to go through tribulation. But He has promised that He will be there with us. He will help us get through. There is no possible way for you to have peace in the middle of your storm without four anchors the Lord gives us in these verses. These anchors are the key to not drowning when life's waves are trying to drag you down. And that's what I want to give you this morning. Look in your Bibles in verse number 35. Here's anchor number one. Remember the promise of Jesus. 
Remember the promise of Jesus. The verse in first 30, Mark 4.35 says, In the same day when the even was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And you might think, well, preacher, what has that got to do with remembering the promise of Jesus? Well, what did Jesus say right here? He said, let us pass over unto the other side. Can I just say, if Jesus said they were going to pass over unto the other side, then, honey, they were going to pass over unto the other side. Amen? Amen? Why do we know that? Here's the thing, if Jesus, here's what I'm trying to get at. You can put stock in what Jesus says. If Jesus says He's going to be with you, then He's going to be with you. If Jesus says you're going to come over to the other side, then you're going to come over to the other side. You think, I want to give you three things concerning this, this, uh, this promise. There was proof in the past. You see, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says this, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Now, I want you to know this morning that when you look through the Bible, the Lord never left Elijah's side when he confronted the prophets of Baal and when he was pursued by Jezebel and Ahab. God was with him all the way. God fed him. God gave him water. God, even when Elijah felt like he was the only man and he even cried out to God saying, hey, I, even I only am left. God looked at him and said, no, you ain't. I got 7,000 over here. You know why? Because God knows what He's doing. And He keeps His promises. He never left Elijah's side. Hey, you think about this. God was even with the disobedient prophet Jonah when he was inside the belly of the whale. Jonah uh, flat out rejected God. He refused God. He ran from God. God judged him by having him. <laughs> hey, could you imagine that? God eat by a whale. And there is he's in that belly of that well, and oh hope all hope is lost. God was still there. Wasn't he? Yeah. Ended up uh, he ended up going to Nineveh, didn't he? God made that fish get sick, puke him out. What'd Jonah do? He went to Nineveh. The whole time, I mean, I tell you what, there was the greatest revival we ever seen. And the greatest revival that this world ever saw, <laughs> God used a disobedient man to bring it. Ain't that something? Think about this. He never left the side of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. He walked with them through the fire. Hey, God was present with Daniel when he was entertained by lions in the den. Hey, Paul was stoned and left for dead, but the Lord was with him and he didn't bring him home to glory until the Lord was ready to bring him home. Hey, there was proof in the past that they made it through and God had protected them and God had taken care of them and God has proven Himself over and over and over that we are safe with Him. He has our best interest in mind, even if that interest doesn't always make sense to us. Here's another thing. We've got proof in the past, but we've got a promise for, a present, promise for the present. You think about this, Jesus said in verse 35, let us, let us, let me just tell you, nothing was going to happen to Jesus and nothing was going to happen to those disciples. Why? Because they were with Jesus and Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. And so 
He told them they were all going to go. And they all went. Let me ask you something this morning. Let me just ask you this. Do you believe that He is able to perform what He's promised? Do you believe that? You know that's how Abraham was saved, right? Everybody always wondered, well, how was Abraham and how was those Old Testament people saved? Hey, read Romans 4. They were saved the same way we are. What's Romans 4, verse number 21 says, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You know how Abraham was saved. He was saved by faith in God. Amen. I've said it many times preaching that I have a Bible at the house where I've written the word promise next to several verses. And when I start feeling like I'm alone, you know what? There's a little word next to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 that says promise. That verse is a promise that even though I might feel alone, Jesus has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a fact. It's a promise in Scripture. It doesn't matter how I feel. That's a promise from God. I got a new idea from a preacher the other day. You know what I'm going to start doing? In addition to the little word promise, I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing something new. Here it is. I'm going to start writing T and P next to verses. T and P. I've already put that next to Jeremiah 33.3. That was the first one I put TNP next to. What's uh, Jeremiah 33.3 say? It says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. When I open up that particular Bible to Jeremiah 33.3, you know what it says next to it? It says promise. And then under promise it says TNP. You're probably getting tired of waiting for me to tell you what TNP means, don't you? Let me tell you what TMP means. It means tried and proven. Yeah. Some of y'all need to get a hold of that. Jeremiah 33.3. It's not only a fact in my life. It's a, it's not even, it's a fact because God said it. But it's tried and proven because I can't tell you the amount of times that I have asked God and I have went to God and I have prayed and I said, God, I don't know what I need, but I am calling upon you and I'm looking for something from you. And he has, oh, he has been tried and he has been proven. Yes. I'm thankful there's a promise for the present. There's a promise for the present. There's a promise for the past. There's a promise for the present. But then also there's a promise for the future. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, preacher? Well, the disciples made it to the other side, and guess what? We're going to make it. Yeah. We're going to make it. Hey, Psalm 23 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hey, because God is with us, we can walk through the valleys in confidence. The word walk in Hebrew indicates a firm step, not a timid, fearful one. It's talking about the valley of the shadow of death. Many of us, we'd we'd start going through there kind of like this. Kind of like me at 3 a.m. trying to get down some steep steps at the house to go to the bathroom. I got handrails on both sides and I'm like... Just praying I don't fall. That's a bad way to wake up. That's not what this verse is talking about though. 
It's talking about a, a firm step, not a fearful step. When it talks about approaching the valley of the shadow of death with Christ, you can just... And I, I'm just telling... Word studies, they mean a lot in Scripture. You, you have confidence. Why? Well, that confidence don't come from me. That confidence is the confidence that I have in my Lord that He will not fail His promises. There's a promise for the future. We can go through our valleys with confidence. We can go through our valleys with assurance. We can go through our valleys with peace and decisiveness because God has promised to be with us. Hey, you think about this. I talked about, I'm talking about anchors this morning. Hebrews 6, 19 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's anchor number one. Remember the promise of Jesus. Here's anchor number two. Rest in the presence of Jesus. Look here in verse number 36 and 37, Mark chapter 4. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Well, the difference in all the other boats, Jesus was in their boat. Did you check? I mean, did you catch that? They took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. But hey, these disciples had Jesus in their boat. How does a Christian handle the storms of sorrow, suffering, and death? They handle it because Jesus is on board. Hey, on the seas of your life, you're going to encounter, you're going to encounter some storms. Jesus saw something they did not see. Jesus knew something they did not know. They were not in the storm because of disobedience. They were in the storm because of obedience. Stop with this mess work. If somebody's having a hard time or somebody's had a had some going through trials and stop being like those friends of Job and sitting there going, Well, I wonder what he did. Well, he must have sin in his life. Oh, he looks good on the outside. There must be something going on. You better be careful. I don't want to be like Job's friends. He had the worst friends I've ever. With friends like his friends, who needs enemies? My soul, the man's already died. He's lost everything he's got. He's lost his health. He's laying there scraping balls off of his skin. Has nothing. And uh, what do they do? Well, Job, you just need to get right with God, man. You ever had people do like that to you? Hey, there's more evidence in the Bible that storms come during times of obedience. We got more examples of that than we do disobedience. Here's the fact of the matter. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. Best thing you can do is pray for them. God will take care. God sent the trouble. What? God's got it all under control. You just need to pray for them. They were not in the storm because of disobedience. They were in the storm because of obedience. They were not in the storm for doing wrong, but they were in the storm for doing right. Look in verse number 38. The boat is filling with water and the disciples were filled with worry. I would be too, wouldn't y'all? The waves were trying to drag them down. The waves were trying to drown them. It says that the boat was full. What was it full? It was full of water. But you know what? It didn't bother Jesus. 
You know why it didn't bother Jesus? Because He had power over everything. Look in verse 38, and He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. I'd have to be really tired to sleep in the middle of a storm with water going everywhere. That is uncomfortable. But He was asleep. He wasn't worried about anything. How was Jesus responding? He was asleep. Most of the things in our lives that we fall apart over, they ain't nothing to Him. Let me tell you something, church. There's no need to fear when Jesus is near. Yeah. Anchor number one, remember the promise of Jesus. Anchor number two, remember the presence of Jesus. Anchor number three, rely on the power of Jesus. Look in verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Yeah, what do we see right here? Well, Jesus had power over the wind. The Bible says that Jesus rebuked the wind. Quite literally, you know what that means? He looked at the wind and said, sit down and shut up. He rebuked it. You know what? Psalm chapter 107, verse number 29 says, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. I said something yesterday about all this rain. I said, hey, in my mind, I think we're good, Lord. We got plenty. I'm going to have to get a kayak out if it don't stop. But, He knows what I don't. And He controls the weather. He did then, and He does now. Jesus had power over the wind, but He had also power over the waves. He said to the sea, He told the wind to sit down and shut up. He looked at the waves and said, Peace, be still. I mean, could you just picture this? I don't know about you. know what would do us all really good is to go back to when we're like six years old and we've got this massive imagination. And we read stories like this. And put yourself in that boat. Man. It'd be awesome. Could you imagine being there with Jesus and He goes from being asleep and then He gets up and He looks at the, the wind and says, Hey, Stop! Then he looks down at the ocean or the water there or the sea and he says, hey, calm down. I'd be like, whoa. Because <laughs> that's what happened to the disciples, isn't it? When he, after he did that, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with Jesus. He didn't keep the storm from striking the ship, but he did keep the storm from sinking the ship. That's a fact. If you read Mark chapter number 5, verse number 1, it says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea. <laughs> they made it. Could you imagine? I mean, there was never a dull moment with Jesus. So here they are. They're fearing further. Okay, the day they just had. You think about this, and I think about how much I need sleep. And it encourages me that Jesus took naps. Okay? <laughs> It's like I said preaching on Elijah before. Sometimes we just need a snack and a nap and things will be better. It worked with Elijah. The angel told him to do that. Then we find Jesus. But you think about this. There was never a dull moment. 
Because what happened? Well, they had all that day and they had these people chasing Jesus and they had all this going on and He had this heated debate with these, these uh, uh, Pharisees and religious people and then they performed some miracles and then they uh, shooed everybody away and they got on a boat and they spent all night in the worst storm of their life and then they come to the other side and what's the first thing happen? They see a crazy, demon-possessed man running around in a cemetery. Here we go again. Can I just say, there's never a dull moment with Jesus. I mean, there's not. There's never a dull moment in the Christian life. If you're bored, it's because you want to be bored, I guess. There's always something to do. There's always something to do. But here's the thing. They came to the other side. And I can tell you today, as long as you've got Jesus on board your vessel, you are going to make it to the other side. Jesus had power over the wind. Jesus had power over the waves. Jesus had power over the worry. Look at verse 40. The Bible says, And He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Hey, there's two lessons here. One is about fear, and the other is about faith. My question for you this morning is how, you're going to, how are you going to face your storm are you going to face that storm that you're getting? Hey, I said it in the beginning. You're either going into a storm. You're in a storm. You're coming out of a storm. And if you're coming out of a storm, I promise you're getting ready to go into another one. The question is not, are you going to experience storms in your life? The question is, are you going to experience the storm with faith or with fear? This is what we see here. Anchor number one. Remember the promise of Jesus. Anchor number two, remember the presence of Jesus. Anchor number three, rely on the power of Jesus. And here's anchor number four, rejoice in the purpose of Jesus. Let me tell you something sounds weird. Trouble will help you. No, none of us like it. Trouble will help you. Let me ask you something. Don't answer out loud. Let me ask you something. What is a friend? What is a true friend? A friend is someone who makes you a better person. It ain't somebody that always tells you what you want to hear. It ain't somebody that's going to agree with you all of the time. It ain't somebody that's going to compromise on their beliefs because your beliefs don't match. That's not friendship. A true friend is someone who makes you a better person. Sometimes a true friend will love you so much that they're going to hurt you in order to help you. You know, that's what Christ does to us. That's why in Hebrews chapter 4 we read that the Word of God is likened unto a sharp two-edged sword. Right? Right? I like what Adrian Rogers always said about that sharp two-edged sword. He said, that sword cuts not to hurt you, but to heal you. I tell you what, you got something going on in your body? Let's say you got your appendix ruptured. Let's say your gallbladder's infected. I don't know many different things. Let's say you got a gunshot. I hope that don't ever happen to nobody in here. Let's say you get shot. 
The only thing that is going to help you in those situations is if that surgeon takes a knife and cuts into you. And for a little while, y'all, he's going to cause more pain than what you're currently in. But if he doesn't inflict that pain on you, you're going to die. And the same goes with the Word of God. It don't always feel good. What we read in it cuts us. But we need to remember that it's cutting to heal us, to help us. How would you like to have a friend who would help you live a clean life and draw you closer to Jesus? How would you like to have a friend who would give you more spiritual strength and help you win your loved ones to Jesus Christ? How would you like to have a friend who would make you a mature believer in Jesus Christ? Can I tell you something? Every single one of us already has a friend like that. And we've met him in Mark chapter number 4. His name is Trouble. His name is Trouble. Trouble may seem like a strange friend, but Trouble can do all these things for you. In the midst of your... Tra- it, here's the thing about Trouble. It brings us closer to Jesus. I've often said it like this. When you face the storms of life, you've got two options. You can become bitter or you can become better. The goal is to become better. It's going to strengthen that relationship with Christ. It's going to help you. It's going to give you knowledge. It's going to give you wisdom. Oftentimes when we pray, I can attest to this, by the way. Oftentimes when we pray that God would increase our faith. That's biblical. Oftentimes when we pray that God would help us have patience. You know, when I grew up, I was always told not to pray for patience. Because, well, can I just say it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's not just patience. If you pray for faith, God's going to grow that faith through trouble. Amen. I don't know why everybody's scared about patience. Because in order to grow in Christ, you're going to come across some trouble. But trouble is your friend. Because trouble can make you a better person. If. That's a big word. Y'all ought to, uh, this is off the subject, but If you're ever looking for something good to read, find Amy Carmichael's little book called If. It's a collection of poems. And man, that little two-letter word is deep. If trouble can be your friend and it can grow you and it can bring you closer to Jesus, if in the midst of that trouble, you will allow the Lord Jesus Christ to do His perfect work in you. You might be here today saying, Lord, don't you even care? I've had times like that. Haven't y'all? Guess what? The disciples said the same thing in verse 38. They went down to the hinder part of the ship, woke him up, said, Master, care us not that we perish. Do you not even care? See, they, they charged Jesus with not even caring about them. But you know what? That night, Simon Peter learned a lesson that hurt that night. But later on, it helped him. 
He wrote later in first, uh, the epistle of 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 7. You know what he said? He said, casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. Yeah. And hey, you know why Peter wrote that? Peter wrote that because Peter experienced it. Peter could say with all confidence, oh yes, friend, He cares. I know He cares. Yeah. You know what? If Peter was here today... If he was here today, I'd have sat down and I wouldn't be preaching. But if Peter was here today, he would look across every single one of y'all today and he'd say, I know he cares for you because he cared for me. Here's the conclusion this morning. The storm arose in verse number 37 and it brought fear with it. The Savior arose in verse number 39 and he brought faith with him. Then in verse number 39, after the Savior arose and brought faith with Him, what happened? There was a great calm. Let me tell you something. God's got a purpose in the storm. He was teaching these disciples a lesson in faith. And He's doing the same with us today. God gives us four anchors for peace in the midst of our storm. Remember His promise. Remember His presence. Rely on His power and rejoice in His purpose. He gives us these anchors so that the waves won't drown us. And I just say today, you don't have to drown today in the trouble that you're in. You can trust Jesus and He'll help you. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, stand all over the house. Miss Dawn, come play for us. He will take care of you. He has in the past. He has in the present. And hey, the Bible says that He changes not. The Bible tells us that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means to me? That means that if He was faithful then, He's faithful now. And since He's faithful now... He'll be faithful tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow may hold, but I do know who holds tomorrow, and I do know who is in control. You need help this morning, come get it. Come gather around this altar and pray. You need to talk to the Lord, come talk to Him.